This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is Joe's sister, Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an internet radio show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what financial goals should you set for 2021? Today, we welcome a roundtable of financial commentators to discuss their goals and some goals of some financial gurus. Joining us here in the basement, we welcome the host of the Seven Figures podcast, Seven Figures, you know she has some lofty goals, Sandy Waters. Plus, from LenPenzo.com, will he set a goal to retire and finally follow through? It's Len Penzo. And a woman whose goal it is to afford anything, just not everything, it's Paula Pant. And to prove we're the complete package, we'll fatten up your wallet and trim down the waistline. Say hello to our health and wellness expert, the man behind MetPro, Angelo Poli. After all that goodness, we're going to bring this puppy home by magnifying listeners' money. And I'll perplex you with, wow, that's a tough word, I'll perplex you with my (laughs) perplexing trivia. And now, a guy who is already waiting for 2022 resolutions, Joe Salciha. Isn't it sad that we're eight days into the new year and I'm already looking at maybe 2022, I'll get some resolutions. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the Stacky Benjamins party. Let me be the first one to welcome you to the weekend. I'm Joe Salciha, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And let's say hello to our motley crew today. The woman behind the Seven Figures podcast is back to save the show. Sandy Waters is here. Hello. I'm so excited to be back. Happy New Year. How was your holiday? Oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. We celebrated uh, the holidays in my parents' garage. Good. Yes, it was snowing. But you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do to keep the little Italians safe. You got like space heaters around and everything or... I am not kidding you. No, they they didn't work, but I am not kidding you. We decorated my dad's fig trees off the boat Italian. (laughs) Okay, we're on Skype right now. And Len gives me this look like, oh, that's interesting. Um, (laughs) Yes, we decorated the fig trees and we opened up gifts around those. Okay. Well, speaking of Italians, Len Penzo is here. Hey, uh, how's it to go, Winner Joe? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, does your brand of Italians, do you guys uh, decorate the fig trees? (laughs) 
No, no, we don't, we don't decorate the fig trees. But you were telling us though, back in December about how people could smell your house from a mile away. Is that the same with your family, Sandy? Do you guys do Christmas Eve with anchovies and all kinds of seafood stuff? Ah, Yes. Yep. (laughs) What'd you say, Len? Four doors down, five doors down? I miss it terribly. I do. I I didn't like half the food we ate there for Christmas Eve back in the day, but uh, I miss it terribly. And the woman who's going to pretend she's Italian for this podcast. Does that mean you wave your arms a lot? It's Paula Pant. So fun fact, I'm frequently mistaken for Italian when somebody asks me, then this has happened multiple times. People say, where are you from? Meaning like ethnically, where am I from? I'll say Nepal and they'll be like, oh, Naples. Naples. That's really nice. Which, which I'm flabbergasted by how somebody could be geographically savvy enough to know about the existence of Naples and yet never have heard of Nepal. Are you talking about one of these moments, Paula? Austria. <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. One of those? Exactly. Exactly one of those. You're that type of Italian. I am that type of Italian. Naples. <laughs> wow. I love Naples. <laughs> hey, and before we get started, guys, you want to hear something amazing? And everybody just stares at me. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. And of course, you want to make sure you pay your credit cards off every month, don't you? All right. Well, hopefully you can use your hands, have good coffee, good food, good wine. And if uh, you're listening, just grab a chair and do all those with us because we've got Paula here, Sandy here, Len here. We're going to talk New Year's resolutions. So let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. All right. Today, we're going to use a piece from uh, The Motley Fool. This is... um, Three Money Experts' Top Financial Goals of 2020 were on, written by Maury Bachman, Elizabeth Aldrich, and uh, Dana George. They list out their financial goals. So I guess we'll start with our guest first. Sandy, you set financial goals at the start of every year? Uh, yes, I do. I think we all do, right? Whether we yes. follow through or not, <laughs> the intention is there. I have to say, um, I've been better about it since I became a podcaster and talk about it so much. Before I was like, yeah, maybe not. And then I decided that I'd do it. So what type of financial goals do you generally set in motion? Well, so my husband and I review, you know, go over all of our finances and we set a a financial goal, like a number goal. At the end of the year, we want to achieve this number. But this year specifically, just because 2020 was so crazy, we set a goal or I set a goal that, and this doesn't sound like a financial goal on the surface, But if you dig deep, it kind of is just create a brand for yourself. And this is what I would recommend everybody do, because it didn't matter what industry you worked in or how great of a worker you were. People were let go from their jobs right in 2020. And some people it was out of nowhere. 
So consciously, I'm trying to use this year to create a brand, get out there as much as I hate social media, use social media and get your name out there and develop those connections with people. So when God forbid something happens with your your job, you have those go to people already lined up that could easily help you into the next career path, whatever that might be. And I know it doesn't sound like a financial goal, but it kind of indirectly is because you're making those connections already. And then, you know, you'll always have a job there or, you know, it's easier to get. I think it very much is a financial goal. The multiple streams of income thing makes complete sense to me. Yeah. But this isn't even just a multiple streams of income. Yeah, of course, that's great too. But just building connections with people in the field that you're interested in, in your current field industry. You you. know, LinkedIn is fantastic. Just start cultivating those relationships now. So then if you need somebody, you're not just knocking on their door out of nowhere being like, hey, I just lost my job today. Will you hire me? Now you have this bank of people that already know you and you've already developed those connections and they can help you. That's funny. We were talking about that in our lessons of 2020, that when PPP came out for businesses, Like those of us with a business realize you need a relationship with a banker. Because if you remember that first round of PPP was all about, well, the banks are going to get it. And the bank said, well, hey, if you go through me, we're going to start with our customers first. You know, we're going to start with who we have relationships with. And um, man, what a, what a, what a kick in the pants that was for a lot of small business entrepreneurs that tried to stay away, tried to stay away from their banker, like wanted wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, Len, Sandy mentions LinkedIn. Use LinkedIn a lot? Actually, I don't. I, I have. I am on LinkedIn. And there, boy, I have a lot of contacts on LinkedIn. But no, I, I don't use it. Yeah, I think to myself that I always should, but I never do. And I yeah, go it may there. Come in handy. Oh, I was thinking, it may come in handy for me once I have fully retired. That, yeah. That's where I'm counting on. I'm like, that's where I'm going to. I'm definitely going to go there and tap it if I need to come up with some quick, uh, another job or something like that. I will definitely be tapping it. So you're the guy actively not following Sandy's advice of getting there early and getting (laughs) things set up. (laughs) Like, yeah, that sounds good for other people, Sandy. (laughs) Well, I'm working on it too. That's why it's a resolution, you know, it's a goal for this year. You know, when Sandy said uh, social media, I immediately imagined her dancing on TikTok. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Paula, I'm telling you, I got two videos up now because TikTok, this is what you got to get in on now because the algorithm is, it's so easy to push through, right? You build your base now. I got two videos. There were three, but my 16-year-old made me take one down, Paula. So now I'm still down to just two. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Okay. I will, I will look for your TikTok videos and I'll follow your, uh, your, LinkedIn. I'll follow you on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> but we also, you can't leave us there though. Nobody's like, I want to know what video got taken down. Well, she was in it. So oh. it was me trying to show affection to my children and, and just want to give them a motherly, I love you kiss. And they all scatter and like little ants, they just go away. And then it, it ended up where the dog came to me and I was squeezing. Oh. I thought it was funny, but she didn't like how she made an appearance in the video. So like Gonzo. And down. cut. You gave her final cut. That was the problem. So here's my, Len usually tells the old guy stories, but here's mine. I'll tell you what really drives me crazy about TikTok. This is my most hated TikTok video. Somebody stands there with a 
dumbest look on their face going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they point to a random space and some words pop up. Don't get into credit uh-huh. card debt. And then they point yeah. the other way and it's like, invest more often. And then they point someplace else and it says, and you'll save more money. And I'm like, God, that's stupid. That's so dumb. So I want to make, I want to make a TikTok video where I point to a random spot and words show up like the dumb words show up someplace completely different. Like I just, <laughs> like I can't figure out where the hell the words are going to come in. That'll cut through. I like it. Yes. And you know, somebody's already stolen that from me. So you're welcome. America, whoever did that. Uh, Paula, <laughs> tell me about your resolutions. What are your money goals for 2021? You know, I want to buy uh, a few rental units in 2021. It's been some time. I, it's been a, a five-year hiatus since the last thing that I bought. So in this month, in January 2021, I'm taking a trip to Indianapolis along with Rich Carey. And we're going to look at some properties. We're not going to go in on it together, but we're going to tap each other's networks of local investors, by which I mean, I'm completely piggybacking off of his network. Um, (laughs) This is where, this is Sandy's LinkedIn thing right here. Yeah, exactly. So you don't need a network if you just know someone who has a network. There you go. There you go. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to head out to Indianapolis, um, meet with some local investors there, look at some neighborhoods and 2021, I would really like to buy I don't have a goal for a specific number of properties since, of course, it's going to be very like dependent on the the number of units in a given property, the relative price point and location, but at least one or more, more likely a number that's greater than one is what I'm aiming for. So you must have then you're working from an amount of money you want to deploy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got the money that I want to deploy and the number of units, and I, but I do not know how many units that will be spread out amongst. Len, how about you? Big financial goal for 2021? The start of the new year's, I'm big about strategic planning. So you have tactical planning that you do, you know, at your, at your more personal finance level for your monthly budgets and stuff like that and, and managing money. But then at the beginning of the year is the time I'd use the strategic plan, which is where I sit down and I say, what are the big ticket items this year I need to save for and maybe out a year, maybe two years out from now, three years out from now, what are those? And I, and I revise my strategic plan. So this year... There's a few things on the list. The biggest one is with my retirement is I want a buffer, a cash buffer, as big as possible. That's number one. Number two is the honeybees have been talking about getting a new <laughs> entertainment center built in. We have one. It's built in and, and needs to be remodeled, so to speak. So that's number two. That's a, that's another big ticket item. The other thing I do is, and I'm kind of cheating here because I've been doing this over the past year because of upcoming retirement, is net worth and how much money I actually have. I want to look close, take again, another closer look at that and just one last look before I pull the trigger and call it a career. But your goal to be clear is 2021's the time. Yes, that's it. Yes. So I'd say the biggest goal though right now is building that cash buffer. I want to have that as big a cash buffer on the side as possible before I call it quits. My goal is to pull a Joe Rogan and have Spotify buy this for a million dollars this podcast. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> I think that's what Joe got for his, did he? Focus. Joe, did he get about a Joe got a hundred million, didn't he? Some number of millions. Well, if I, <laughs> Paul, I'll take one. I'll stop at one. <laughs> that's good. Not that I put a price on all these relationships, but I think I just did. 
let's talk about these guys' financial resolutions because I found these compelling when I first read them. Uh, Dana George has this one in this Motley Fool piece. It says, lead with my head, not my emotions. What do you think about that one, Sandy? I love it. You know what I always say in this, we all have our moments of weakness, right? Where we do the impulse buy or because it, it is an adrenaline rush. When you get something new, you're like, oh God, I love it. But I always have to remind myself that nothing that you buy today will be more satisfying than knowing you can afford anything you need tomorrow. So practice the pause, like everybody says, but I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. I also love reading the bottom of this. It says 2020 was the first year in a long time that I allowed fear of the unknown to inform my financial habits. I'm done with that. For me, 2021 is all about leaving my head, not my emotions. I know I research and write about personal finances. I genuinely enjoy the subject. That means using what I know and what I learned to maximize my financial situation. I feel like looking at your life more like you're a CFO. You know, like I'm, I'm the Joe corporation and I'm going to lead with some numbers and some facts instead of big screen TV. Sounds great. Len talks about the entertainment center. I'm like, Oh, that sounds good. I'll do that. But I'm just going to come over to Len's house and borrow his (laughs) Paula. The second one down here is completely overhaul my budget. What do you think of that one? Well, I think 2020 forced a budget overhaul for a lot of people. I mean, uh, as the author mentions, entire budget categories such as travel and dining out got completely decimated. But, you know, 2020 was a was a shining example of how cutting out entire budget categories can lead to substitution. Because, sure, travel and dining out got cut. But for a lot of people that was substituted with online shopping. Exactly. Exactly. Uber Eats, food delivery, online shopping, all like all sorts of socially distancing friendly ways to spend discretionary money. And so I think that all points to the idea that it's not savings unless you save it. Otherwise, it's just substitution. So that money needs to literally go into a savings account. It needs to be made as an additional payment on a debt above and beyond the minimum payment required, or it needs to go into uh, an investment account or a retirement account. Unless you actually save it, then you're not saving money. You're just substituting its expenditure. I think that's a good point, though, because I feel like the numbers that we were hearing at the end of last year were all about people paying more attention to their money. And I think maybe a great financial goal would be whatever you got right that second half of the year in 2020, where you finally paid attention because you were afraid. Don't be afraid, but continue to pay attention. Like, how how do you frame that? I would say... Automate as much as possible so that you don't have to pay attention because ultimately automation is even more powerful than forming habits. And for the rest of it, create habits that are such second nature that you don't have to rely on the exercise of willpower or discipline, which are necessarily limited. I like all that, but I also think it's really cool that FICO scores went up last year for the first time in a long time, Mm -hmm. Uh, that savings account balances went up for the first time in a long time. Like that was all cool. So even after, don't get me wrong, I'm on automation, Paula, but if you're going to pay attention to those little things where you never did before, maybe to your point, then go to the next level and do that next and lock in these things. So so you're right. Maybe you don't have to pay attention. Yeah. Len, the last one on here is to spend more mindfully. So get the entertainment center, but buy it at Costco. I don't know. 
Well, you know, I guess it depends where you are in life, right? If you're like me, you make a relative, you're comfortable lifestyle. You, I can do that kind of thing. I don't have to worry too much about that. But you might want to think about spending. What are you going to spend on? You know, where we're at right now, there's a lot of things that you might have wanted to spend in 2021 that might not be a good idea anymore. And you might want to reevaluate. For example, maybe you were thinking of starting a business. You've got to think twice about the business you're going to start how has this latest, the COVID thing and all this that's going around, has that changed? Has your business outlook changed? Is it worth considering looking into something, putting that money to use somewhere else? Is it some form of education? Is it a different type of business? So yeah, at the basic level, maybe it's on the little things, the wants versus needs and, and pulling back. But also I think on the macro level too, again, you've got you to probably take some time to look at it that way too. Yeah. Uh, biggest tip for creating your 2021 resolution, Len? Anybody the sitting biggest. down to create resolutions, no matter what they are, what's your biggest tip to somebody? Oh, gosh, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. This sounds almost self, it almost sounds too automatic, but it's, it's like you got to sit down, you got to think and think hard and look inward and probably consider, you know, what do I want to change? What, you know, for the new year, what do you like? What don't you like? The things you don't like, what do you have to do to change that and turn that around? So I guess that's what I would do. Paula? I would say brainstorm a list of any possible goal or resolution that you might want to set. And once you've brainstormed an entire list, pick one and focus on only that one. And Sandy, you got the last word. I would say find that one person who's going to hold you accountable because there's so many people in our lives that enable us or because we can justify any reason to buy something or any reason to fall off the rails. So you need that one that's almost going to give you tough financial love to hold you accountable. Well, if you're new to the Stacking Benjamin Show, first of all, welcome. It's about time that you got here. We've been waiting for you. But second, we usually do a thing on Fridays called the Friday FinTech segment where we look at some cool apps for your phone or on your computer. But today and a few times a year, we go a different way because you know what? If you can't grow your net worth, sometimes it's because you just don't feel up to it and health and wellness is such a big part of growing your net worth and frankly, just being healthy, right? So we have a gentleman that we ask questions of all the time. His name is Angelo Pola. He is the founder of a company called MetPro that I use, and he's agreed to answer questions for us. So let's say hello to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Angelo Poli. back to kick off 2021 with us. And here to help us kick off the new year, the man behind MetPro and the guy who is your new fitness coach, my good friend Angelo Poli's here. Happy New Year, my friend. Oh, man. Hey, it's great to be back in the basement, Joe. Isn't it mostly fun, though? Let's be serious, that uh, 2020 is over. It is fun that 2020 is over, yes. (laughs) 
Well, like last time, and for those of you new to the show, Angelo is a frequent contributor here. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about MetPro and about his programs later there and some of the coaching like I get at MetPro. But to kick off the year, Angelo, I thought we'd help people get better at working out. How does that sound? That sounds fabulous. Let's do it. Well, our friend Kathy, like me, runs marathons. She says... What's the ideal intensity while doing cardiovascular workouts? Should you go about 80%? Should you go all out? What's the, what's the secret sauce, Angelo? Great question, Kathy. And like probably the answer to every one of these questions is going to be, it depends. So here's what it depends on in, in your case. So the, the recommendations that you see about here's the ideal heart rate, you know, and then they have for performance and they have for fat burning. And they, so a lot of that is really a way of determining what intensity you're training at. So what we've learned is basically the more intense, the better. But there is a problem with that. There is a catch. If you go all out, you can't participate in your endurance sport, your running, your cycling, whatever your sport is for an extended amount of time in one sitting. Because if you're going all out, if you're at 90% your max heart rate, uh, you're not going to be going on an hour jog. (laughs) You're going to go on a 12 minute jog and then be on the side of the road having a stroke. So because of that, what we have to do is pace ourselves. So the mistake that some people can make is then, then they get a little confused. Well, does it mean that if I'm only doing a short run that I should still be going at a lower pace? If I'm doing a shorter cardio interval, I should be at a lower pace. Well, no, the research promotes, if you're healthy enough, if you're fit enough and have the foundation for this, that shorter cardio sessions can be done at higher intensities. And one of the best ways to do that is varied intensity. Uh, varied intensity, or sometimes we hear about it in the terms of HIT, high intensity interval training. So that's a uh, period of a burst of energy put into it, followed by a period of active recovery. You can burn a lot of calories that way. Really sends your metabolic rate through the roof. You like uh, the HIT workouts. I'm a huge fan of that. So the difference between HIT and varied intensity, it's the same thing. It's just degree. So for a beginner, it would be varied intensity. For an, an athlete, it would actually be HIT training. And that's a great strategy. But you can't do HIT training for an hour. You, you're right. not doing it right. right. <laughs> you do Again, that's the you know stroke 12 minutes in lying on the side of the road if you were actually doing it right. Also, if you're an endurance athlete – now we're going to kind of put on our, our nerd cap here for a second and talk a little bit the biology. If you're focused on endurance, you're also retuning your body on a hormonal and even cellular level to be more efficient at burning the fuel source that you're going to be tapping for long distance or, or lower intensity, longer duration activities. And there's no way to really truly mimic that except for by participating in that activity. So what's going to happen is out of the gate, you're going to start burning into uh, you rather you start going to burning your glycogen stores, your stored sugar inside your muscles. Once you essentially burn through that, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit. Once you burn through that, then your body's going to switch to its backups, its reserves. And that's when you're burning intramuscular triglycerides, basically fat at the muscle site stored for fuel. It doesn't work as simply as, well, if I'm, you know, 70% my max heart rate, I'm automatically burning the, the body fat off of my belly. No, there's, there's a few different stops between here and there. 
So the way that it works is you tune your body to be more efficient at burning in that energetic pathway. It doesn't mean you burn more calories or more energy. It means that you're burning more of that fuel source and your body becomes more efficient. So if your goal is long distance, marathon times, et cetera, you just have to put in the hours to get your body optimized for long in, uh, endurance, long duration activities. So that's why it all circles back to it depends on your goal. Yeah. If your goal's long distance, go with the lower intensity, longer distance training. If your goal is simply maximizing energy expenditure, calorie burning, fat loss, if you have time, do the lower intensity. But if you have a short interval, a window of time, give me the in- high intensity interval training. That dovetails nicely into a question that uh, Carrie Ann asks. She says she works 12 hour shifts three days a week. On yeah. her work day, she does a 10 minute HIIT workout. On her days off, she does 30 to 60 minutes of a mix of cardio and strengths. And she's asking, is 10 minutes effective or should I be trying to increase that to 20? No, Carrie, it's absolutely effective. Keep going. So I would rather you do 10 minutes ongoing than aim for 20 and fail to do it because you feel intimidated to start or I don't have time to do it and start missing. That said, is which is going to expend more energy, burn more calories, push your body more. Well, of, of course, 20 minutes is going to be double what you're, you do at sure. 10 minutes. Yeah. So what I would say is build up to that. Now, 20 minutes is not that long time. So if you feel like you can close that gap and you're not going to lose consistency, then by all means, go for it. If you're a little leery, split the difference, bump up to 15 minutes. As long as you find, hey, yeah, I can do 15 minutes consistently, then jump up to 20. The other thing, you know, 12 hour shifts, those are, that can be demanding on your body. And so depending on where you're at in your health, wellness, fitness progression, do consider your recovery. You can feel like you've spent yourself after a workout, but you should generally feel after a few minutes invigorated from your workout, not depleted. If you're finding yourself an hour after your workouts feeling more fatigued, that's an indication that your body's probably not fully recovering. And so you want want to look at your balance of nutrition and the duration and intensity of your training. But assuming you're feeling invigorated and good, yeah, start nudging it up and you're going to continue to get good results and see even more of that goodness. Oh, there's nothing I like better than that high I get when I just nailed it. Yeah. Just oh, absolutely. so, so good. Enough with these overachievers, Carrie Ann and Kathy. Let's just talk basics for a second. so <laughs> these people, these people are making me feel horrible. Should I do 20 yeah. minutes? I'm like 20 minutes. Am I t- are you kidding me? Eric asked about balance. And, and I think this is a lot of people, especially starting out. What's the right balance of cardio versus weights? He said he's over 50. For example, he says right now he does four days of cardio, 45 minutes with an average heart rate of 135. And then he does two days of lifting and takes one day of complete rest. He said also, Angelo, just so you know, his goal is to get younger next year. Nice, Eric. Yeah, boy. No, that's great. Kudos. That's a great program. That actually mimics the type of split that that I might recommend for someone whose goal is focused around uh, general fitness, longevity, and wellness. That's a great split. Four days of cardio, two days of strength, and you are getting your one full day recovery. Uh, So that's beautiful. 
that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with shifting. So think of it in terms of allocating. Think of a pie chart. I know Joe's going to like this. You know, we got the graph and, you know, where the, <laughs> the balance is and the financial, uh, the graph here where you, you're investing your, your money and your resources. So your resource here is your time. It's not an infinite resource. You have limited time and you have limited ability to physiologically recover from stress. So even if you had all the time of the world, it doesn't mean you can exercise five hours a day, your body would burn out. So considering that basically the game we're playing is moving the widgets on the other side of the board. Do we want to put more time and energy into resistance training or cardiovascular training? And the answer is what's your goal? What's your body type? So it sounds to me, in this case, your goal is general wellness, and so you want a good balance, and I think you've, you've struck that. Similar protocols to what you're doing could include trying three days a week of cardio, one day, and now instead of doing a full body training, you could do one day of upper body training to be a little bit more focused and hit those individual muscle groups a little harder, one day of lower body, and then one day of... A circuit training or cross training where you're doing lighter weights, up tempo, where it's kind of double dipping and you're getting some cardio oh. and full body conditioning. So that even just for variety, for the psychological impact of having a change in your routine, keeping the protocol you have in place, Eric, but maybe one month swapping and doing three days. Maybe you're doing a three day split or maybe you're doing push and pull exercises one day that's chest back. You're doing arm exercises another day. You're doing lower body exercises on the third day. And then you're doing two days of cardio. Or maybe you could split up the cardio where you have three days of standard endurance training and one day where you're doing varied intensity or HIIT training, that interval training to change it up and kind of throw your body a curveball. Because what happens at the end of the day is no matter what you do, your body's job is to get used to it, acclimate to it. The way it acclimates is it gets more efficient, it gets leaner, it gets faster, it gets stronger, you hypertrophy, you put on more muscle. But once you're no longer challenging your body in a new way, it'll level off. So it's not necessarily a matter of what's best. It's a matter of what will also create some new stimuli to your body that will force it to further adapt. Yeah. So it may not be that you're doing anything wrong, Eric. It may just be that for a few weeks here or there, you want to incorporate something a little different to shock your system. That actually brings up the next thing that I was wondering about. As I'm looking for results, what measurements should I be paying attention to? There's a great question here from uh, Mancini Joseph says, how much should we really be thinking about uh, body mass index? But I thought we can even enlarge that. Well, what type yeah. of measurements should we use in general? Yeah, you are going to find that in general, at least this has been my take on it, the BMI in the medical industry and the fitness industry has really fallen out of favor. But I want to define the specific person that it's really fallen out of favor for. And that's basically your athletic person or, or specifically someone who carries more muscle mass because I get these guys, they're, you know, weekend bodybuilders and, you know, they're walking around at, you know, 6% body fat and they go to the doctor and the BMI index has them as obese. So 
while it's true it is somewhat outdated generally just in general americans are larger just as a, a a race of people than we were back in the 40s and 50s those bmi charts just simply they can be more of a source of aggravation than anything else they don't tell the full story because they're not considering what's lean mass and what's fat mass that said don't necessarily use it as an excuse to not get healthy when you know that your body's really not where it should be. So for general health, I like to go with something a little bit more practical. What's your hip to waist ratio? So some people just have a stockier build, you know, and they carry more mass in their hips and their glutes and their legs and their back. And that's not necessarily as unhealthy as the person who maybe doesn't carry excessive weight, they don't break the scale, right? But yeah. they notice, hey, you know, my belly's sticking out a little farther than my hips. It's where you're carrying the body fat. So body fat in your arms and your thighs typically isn't the body fat that kills. It's it's the body fat around your vital organs, right? Your center. So that's kind of the the gauge I like to look at, which is why when somebody asks me, hey, Angelo, you know, Hey coach, how much weight do you, what weight do you want me at? I'm 5'10, I weigh this much weight. Uh, I never give them an answer. I tell them, send me photos. I want to see how you're carrying that weight. And for someone, it could be very different. And it's worth this quick illustration, Joe. Create body types can be the source of a lot of unnecessary discouragement. So you got two guys that both decide they they were friends in high school. They're in their forties. Now they both weigh 250. They make a pact with each other. We're going to support each other. We're both going to lose some weight. So they go on the same diet. One of the guys loses in the first month, he loses 22 pounds. The other guy loses six pounds. What gives? That's not fair. I see that all the time. Why does that happen? Well, here's what they're not thinking about. The guy who lost 22 pounds, when he graduated high school with his buddy, he weighed 165. The guy who lost six pounds, when he graduated high school, he weighed 210. Both of them are now overweight. They're not where they want to be anymore. So they need to get healthy. They want to lose a few pounds. But the one who lost weight faster was likely a much smaller skeletal structure. So he's actually more overweight from a health perspective based on his frame. So there's a lot of things that you want to consider when it comes down to thinking about measurements and how much weight should I be losing and am I overweight or am I not overweight? Really the question is, are you healthy? That's the big question. And as is with a lot of things, comparison here is the enemy, you know, comparing your beginning to somebody else's middle or comparing your body type to somebody else's body type is, is not the way to go. Right. I was interested as you were talking because I was just thinking back to when I started working with MetPro, just the amount of time your coaches spent with me asking about my body type and wanting to know everything about my body type. And now you answered that you answered that question about why for me, because that changes everything. I've never had a client. I've been doing this 20 years. I've dieted nearly 10,000. I think I actually might be over 10,000 people now in my, in my career. I've never had a single person not ask me about expectations in the first week. Hey, Angela, how much weight should I lose? 
the answer is really different for each person. And it's not unreasonable to ask. The answer is always the same. Great question. We're going to run some analytics and we're going to actually have a real no-nonsense answer to that question. You're not going to know it day one. You're going to have to watch how your body responds. You're going to have to watch how your body starts changing. And then you're going to be able to put together a real cohesive, strategic answer to that question. And even more importantly, the path there. I think health is so important when it comes to being able to not just manage your money better, but manage your energy, which leads to not just more money, but, but just a better life. And so oh, yeah. I love the fact, Angelo, that we're kicking off the year with this. You guys have been really been, have been super busy. Uh, you have a new app that people can use. Tell me about that. We do. Uh, so uh, as I joked with you last time, nah, that wasn't busy. We just <laughs> tossed that together in a, you know, back half of the day. Little duct tape, uh, a couple hours. Yeah. So you got a room of people a lot smarter than me with a lot of words that I don't understand. But we have, <laughs> we have brought the vision to life. No, it's, it's something I'm really, really proud of. We've been working on it actually for three years. What I'm passionate about, Joe, is filling a niche and creating uh, the solution for a need. And so what it's not is a food logging app. I didn't feel that innovation needed to be created. There's lots of great uh, apps out there for tracking and logging your foods. Um, and a lot of people use things like MyFitnessPal and many, many other quality apps in tandem with the tool that we've created through MetPro, the MetPro app. What the MetPro app does is it really uh, provides a person the ability to experience on their own the science that our coaches implement for their their clients. Our experts actually use when we have a pro athlete, when we have an executive makeover, when we have a celebrity getting ready for a role, uh, maybe an entertainer, whatever the case may be. When we do these really um, extreme makeovers, what's the science that we're using? So now people can actually have it in the palm of their hand as a tool. What it's going to do is it's not going to say, hey, tell me what you ate, log everything, record everything you eat, and then we're going to give you a report card. That's not what it's going to do. What it's going to do is it's actually going to give you a baseline meal plan. So if you're ready to look at, okay, here's what I'm supposed to eat, you're going to have a, a million and one substitutions. So don't worry about what if I don't like one ingredient on, no, no, you'd be able to swap it out. But what it's going to do is it's going to give you a meal plan. And then it's going to ask you to check off each meal that you eat according to the meal plan. Check out the work off any workouts or activity you do. It's going to analyze your goal, your body type, how much weight you've gained or lost in a short period of time. And then it's going to run the algorithm and look at your analytics based on, okay, we've had a thousand people with your demographic, you know, male, late forties, mesomorph, goal of weight loss or goal of muscle development. Here's how they've responded based on this intake level and this protocol. Here's how you've responded. Now here's what we want you to do. And it's going to actually make specific recommendations. We want you to make this change to your afternoon snack. We want you to make this change to breakfast. Here's your new category of recommendations for exercise for the week. And we're going to reevaluate in that just another few days. And it will actually learn your metabolism and then give you a report card for how your metabolism is behaving, but it won't leave you hanging on direction. It'll actually tell you, here's what your metabolism is doing. Right, wrong, fair or unfair. Here's what your metabolism is doing. 
Therefore, here are the exact action steps we recommend. So that, that took a minute to put together. Uh, I'm <laughs> really, really excited about it, Joe. It's fantastic to see and already just my relationship with uh, my coach, because I use your concierge coaching, Jesse, is fantastic and horrible. I joke about how horrible it is all the time, but Jesse knows that I love her. And actually, what's funny is my spouse, Cheryl, is all about Jesse, which drives me crazy because when I want to stop for ice cream, she always, she's like, what, what, what would Jesse think? I'm like, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> they're ganging up on you. What they doing. <laughs> it's horrible, man. All right. To, to check out the app or check out MetPro, head to metpro.co slash SB. That's metpro.co slash SB. And to start your new year off right, guys. Let's get ourselves in shape. Angelo, happy new year, my friend. And thanks for hanging out with us again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Joe. Hey, trivia fans. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcast announcer, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did you know that today is show and tell day at work? Let's all play along. Now, doing this podcast doesn't exactly make it easy to show you so let's show and tell today's trivia question. On this date in 1789, George Washington delivered the first ever State of the Union address. So today's season beginning trivia challenge question is this. When he was sworn in as president in 1788, how old was Honest George? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can chop down a cherry tree. Welcome to, Paul is already intrigued. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to another year of trivia. We are playing another year-long competition, competition, uh, <laughs> competition between Paula, Len, and Sandy, you are OG on today's show. Len is the two-time reigning champion. So no pressure. Everybody, yes, thanks for the trophy, Joe. As, as we, we 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 can see, look at the time. Let's keep rolling. Uh, <laughs> you, you can tell we have big prizes on this show. But as the guest, Sandy, we will let go you on. go. Well, we're going to let you go last because oh, you're the guest. Okay. All right. Okay, good. And Paula finished in last last year, so she'll go in the middle, which means Len is the champ. We're going to have you go first, my friend. Uh, I, this is terrible. I should have listened more in history class. I thought you said uh, I should have I, listened more to Doug. I'm like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? I have no idea, George Washington. My goodness, that's a hard one. This is in 1788. Gosh, when did he? When did he? I have nothing to base this on. I'm just going to say, did he live a long life? Let's see. He had wooden teeth, right? So he probably wasn't in good health for for, for a long time. Uh, you know what? Mm, oh, I don't know. What was the life expectancy back then? In the 60s, he might have lived. He was a rich man. That might have extended his life expectancy a little bit. <laughs> I think what? he's Googling this. I think <laughs> no, he's Googling no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Here's my hands. Here's my hands. I'm <laughs> That's um, that's always one two years in a row, Sandy. He just talks for a long time while he's. I, you know what? I'm going to say 82. No, the year, the, the, not when he died, not when he died. I wondered if you, you were. Old. No, it's how old was he when he delivered the first State of the Union address? He said 
82. He said oh, 82. No. Oh, no, you don't, Sandy. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, that. Okay. So I would say, oh, I really wasn't listening. <laughs> you really should have listened more to Doug. I should have listened. What is a 1780? This is the worst Nine. sentence ever. He didn't listen enough to Doug. We should have let him go, Paula. We should have really let him go. You know what? He was probably, I'm going to say he was 62. 62. All right. That was exhausting. <laughs> Sandy, you need a nap after that? No. <laughs> Paula. I'm guessing second. You are guessing second, right? Oh, dear. Did we okay. say because Sandy's the guest, so we were letting her go last. Got it. Before I make a guess, can we uh, decide on what the prize is going to be this year? <laughs> <laughs> I really think we need to establish a prize. In it's, fact, I have. It's I have not the idea. high five. <laughs> no, I have an idea for an even better prize. Oh boy! Winner gets a cake. Gets a cake. A cake. A cake. Winner gets a cake sent in the mail. <laughs> I'm seeing blank stares all I, around. I thought it was going to be something that says "stacking Benjamins" all over, to something that kind of breathes the excitement of the show. But Paula's like, "I want cake." <laughs> Here's the deal. So, are okay. you saying are you saying that if there was a cake involved? You'd show up for this segment. <laughs> <laughs> what? A, okay, fine then. Cake and a stacking Benjamins T-shirt, and a, that's a deal. That's it. Okay. Now we're in. All right. You can have your cake and your t-shirt too. <laughs> Perfect. All Perfect. right. George Washington, well, stay in the union. I will take a picture of myself eating cake in my stacking Benjamin shirt. There it is. Oh. You like this one? Oh, exactly. look at that. <laughs> Very handsome. Thank you. All right. So how old was President Washington when he delivered the very first so to? Um... <laughs> Which is what all the cool kids call it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to base my guess on the fact that he was he was a war hero, fought in the American Revolution, which indicates that he was relatively young at at the time of the revolution, at the time of fighting. I'm going to guess that all of the founding fathers were not that old uh, because of the physical demands of crossing the ocean, fighting a war and founding a new country. And so I'm going to guess that he was probably in his 30s or 40s. You need to be, per the Constitution, at least 35 to be a senator and to qualify to be president Although that wasn't a rule back then, but let's at least use that as a, a anchor for a floor. And so based on that, I'm going to skew more towards the 40s. I'm going to guess he was 44. I don't know if that's right or wrong. All I know is Sandy Waters is sitting on her hands right now because she's trying not to pull out her hair. Going home. <laughs> Well, I was like, wow, she's dropping a lot of knowledge. <laughs> Paula, you were listening in class. <laughs> All right, uh, Paula, 44 is locked in. Sure you don't want to go with 82? <laughs> <laughs> we gave Len a second shot. You could have one too. Sandy, you've got 62 on one end and 44 on the other. What are you thinking? Uh, well, everyone looked older 
than they were back then, right? They look weathered and just old. Yeah, like the whole no wooden, yeah, the wooden tooth thing. Len, nobody brushed their teeth. So everybody probably had like. That's true. Right. Do you think? So yeah. I'm going to go even younger than what Paula said. I'm going to go. Tw- <laughs> tw- wait, is this like the closest to closest. the answer? Or closest. is this going over? Okay. No, closest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no price is right rules. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say 32. 32 years old. 62, 44, 32. We'll let you know in just a minute. Well, stackers, as you may know, if you've been somebody who's tried different applications to manage your money or different spreadsheets and different brokerage accounts, managing your money's typically been complicated, time-consuming, and just another reason to bite your nails. But for half a million investors who have accounts with M1 Finance, investing is smarter, more automated, and easier than ever. Do yourself a favor this year and check out M1, this finance super app I personally use, and I'm so happy to share how it's designed because it's all personalized to meet your needs. So with access to fractional shares and unmatched automation, all for free, by the way, you get something that is streamlined and helps you meet your goals. Also, you can borrow against your investments at super low rates, just two to three and a half percent, and use this flexible portfolio line of credit for anything like investing more in your portfolio, refinancing other loans, or funding large projects. M1 ties it together in a free digital account so you have more flexibility and smoother money movements. Just keep in mind, of course, borrowing involves higher risk and that rates can vary. Visit M1 Finance. That's M the number one finance.com forward slash SB to sign up and you'll get $30 to invest. Again, that's visit M1 finance.com forward slash SB to sign up, get $30 to invest. You'll see why I like it so much. Terms and conditions apply. Well, if you've created the good habit of paying your credit cards off every month, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of the first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places Discover's accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Len, it looks like uh, Paula and Sandy think that you're uh, a little on the old side, man. I mean, I'm not talking you personally. I'm <laughs> no, talking old, about your guests. Guys, that was old, horrible. Old guys rule. And I think George ruled back then. So uh, I'm feeling really good right now. Are I'm you? feeling really good. Paula, yep. f- 44. Sandy gave you a lot of room. She could have said 43 and gotten mm-hmm. the whole downside, but she was being nice. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel <laughs> good. I've got some wiggle room on both ends. And Sandy, if he's uh, 15, you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Doug, what's our answer? Hey, trivia fans, I'm neighbor Doug, back with your show and tell results. By the way, don't tell Joe's mom it's show and tell day. She'll show you her new leather chaps to ride her Harley in style. And while that's nice, hearing the whole curated leather story for the 17th time isn't really that much fun anymore. But now that we've shown and told, let's share today's trivia answer. The question was, how old was George Washington when he was sworn in as president? 
you guessed the ripe old age of 57, then you'd be right. Well, time for me to get out of here so Joe's mom can show me a good time on that Harley. See ya! Hey, Ma, do I have to ride in the saddlebags again? Whoa! Mr. Wow. Guys rule. Mr. Penzo <laughs> takes the lead. Len, you are one fiftieth of the way towards the cake <laughs> and a t-shirt. <laughs> hey, I've got a lot of money to pay out to all the guests who fill in for you, Paula, and, and OG. So, Sandy, your check's in the mail, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't th- wait. I thought, and, and Paula now is like, did, did I say cupcake? We're playing for a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> I, for, I forgot the word cup on the beginning of that uh guys let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com sandy waters when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money you know what you find there what do you find <laughs> <laughs> i love the look at her face like hell no i don't we know give a prize we need to give a prize for the first guest that comes in and actually answers that question that correctly. would be awesome uh you'll find that 92 percent of all the products available online whether it's checking accounts savings accounts credit card cash rewards credit card reward programs, consolidation loans, whatever it might be, all ranked head-to-head at magnifymoney.com. And you find that those financial products you use at your brick-and-mortar bank might not be the best out there. So head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney and check it out. And today, we're going to help Laura magnify her money. Say hi, Laura. Hi, guys. Need your help so that I can have an early retirement done a good job of saving and have different resources to tap into at different points in my retirement, you know, like pre-tax money, post-tax money, et cetera. And I've also been maxing out my HSA every year, hoping to use that towards my health care. But I've got a pre-existing condition and I'm hoping to retire in my late 50s. How do I make sure that I've got enough money to cover my health care expenses before I'm Medicare eligible? Wow. Great question, Laura. So wants to retire before Medicare age. How does she bridge that gap? Any thoughts, Sandy? Well, this is tough because she doesn't give us a lot of specifics, right? So we don't know how much she really has. So I would say first she has to know what she expects to do in retirement to help her figure out how much money she needs. Because some people think, okay, I'm going to retire. It's going to be awesome. I have freedom. I can do whatever I want. And then they end up spending more than what they really could afford. Because what does your day look like in retirement? For me, it's probably just going to be right here. You're looking at it. I'll do nothing. I'm simple. But if, (laughs) ta-da. But she has to really think about, okay, how much money do I need? I think she has to start there first, don't you? I like that. Uh, Paula? I would say that she should look at, you know, I I don't know what kind of health insurance she's going to have. And she she may not know that. But if she's trying to figure out what kind of health insurance she's going to have, I mean, go to healthcare.gov, go to Policy Genius, look at what health insurance plans are available to her based on her age and her state. You know, look at a sampling of plans and then add up the cost of the premium, the deductible, and the annual out-of-pocket maximum. Add up all of those. And also remember that the prescription 
deductible is different from the medical deductible. So make sure to, to add that in as well. But once she calculates, you know, what all of those numbers are when they're all added up, um, what's the annual premium just to get the plan? What are the both medical and uh, prescription deductibles? What's the total out-of-pocket max if she hits all of her co-pays and co-insurances? Then she'll know what the worst case scenario out-of-pocket in a given year is. Granted, that's going to be the worst case. You know, not every year is going to be like that, but at least she has an upper end to the range. Len? Well, first of all, it sounds like she's doing really good. Laura's doing a good job saving, and I don't know how young she is. First thing you can do is you can incorporate into your savings plan some amount, you know, some six-figure amount for some catastrophic health issue that might arise down the road. So just put that into your planning if you're far enough away from retirement. I think another thing you can do, there are whole life insurance policies out there that allow you to use cash in that policy or, or use it for long-term care as you get older. Um, so maybe look into a, you know those kind of whole life policies. Of course, there's long-term insurance. You can look into that, although I know a lot of people say they have pro- there's problems with that, but um, you can do that. You know, again, if you're young, you can and, – and you have your own – let's say she has her own home, and, uh, which maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. If it's 30 years down the road, I assume she's going to own her own home free and clear. I mean you can always in a total emergency, you can tap your home equity as well. So, I mean those are just some options, not knowing everything. Things yeah. to think about. No, like Sandy said, she didn't give us a lot of specifics, yeah. so it's hard. You know what I liked about what all three of you guys said was – beginning with what you want and then look at the total amount of money that you want to spend, which I think Sandy was what you were talking about. And then look at your price tag on insurances, what Paul is talking about. And then for Len looking at this catastrophic piece, like that's exactly Laura, what a financial planner is going to do is those three, those three answers. They're going to take all three of those answers and do those three things. What if, what if you have a catastrophic illness? What if the insurance costs more than you think it will? And how much money are we talking about dealing with every year anyway? Take those three things and work backwards, Sandy. Don't you think this is a universal concern for everybody, though, thinking about retirement? Everybody's scared. Like, Laura, you are right where everybody else is. You're scared that you're going to run out of money. So maybe a smart idea, too, is to have that side something going on that just in case, God forbid, something happens and you do run out of money, you quickly can tap into whatever that side, whatever it is, selling something on Etsy or whatever it is that might be. So maybe start getting that going now when you are working. So then, you know, I like that. I I mean, I like that idea anyway, even if, even if you don't feel particularly frightened, which I'm with you. Most people, like when I was a financial planner, most people would come in saying, I think I'm close, but I don't know if I have enough. But regardless, during our week of quirky episodes during the holiday off week, we played one, which was a woman who interviewed nuns and did this study about nuns and why they live longer. And the reason they live longer, nothing to do with money. It's the sense of purpose, this idea that they had to serve other people. And because they were serving, nuns ended up living much longer than the general population. At least that's that was her hypothesis doing the study. So I think there's something there too. I mean, I don't have any medical facts, but you see these people that retire at 62 and they're not with us anymore at 63. And you start thinking maybe the, I mean, I know my own dad went through this big, huge emotional time after he retired. All of a sudden he realized all of his friends were at work 
they would still do their stuff at work, go out to lunch, do all their, that was his whole world. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And for him, he started hanging out with these guys who were 10 years older than him because he retired young. And guess what happened? Within two years, my dad had all kinds of aches and pains, which were the same aches and pains as 10 year old older than him friends were having. Oh, wow. And we actually had to have an intervention saying, these are nice guys, dad, but you need to start hanging out with some guys your age. Cause I, I saw him and there have been a lot of studies that we've seen with retirement that, that emotional roller coaster is incredibly hard to deal with about what do I do now? And look at the look on Len's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was just, you know, that's a great point. You know, I remember my, my grandfather, uh, he was a sh- Italian shoemaker. Named he, Geppetto. No, no, <laughs> named Antonio. But, oh, sorry. But, uh, he retired at, at age, I think it was 64, 60. He was relatively well off, actually. And he retired at age 64. And my dad, my dad now, not my grandfather, my dad lamented because it's true. My grandfather died. He sat down in front of the TV when he retired and he didn't budge from his chair. He died within three years, I think, of retiring. My father has now passed away, but he said he was convinced that that's what killed his dad was that he just sat in that chair and just withered away. So, yes, I think it, that sounds very important. A great advice to to do something, if, even if it's volunteer work, get out there and have a purpose for, you know, don't just sit around. And now Laura's sitting listening to this going, all I want to know is what health insurance was going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> and you're already killing me off. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Laura. If you've got a question for us, we'll try not to be so morbid next time. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, we will be, you know, we'll, we'll go off the rails on your question too. But I think that's really important for people. Having that sense of purpose is huge. And then also, Sandy, to your point, having that extra stream of income you can grab onto. I think that was a big lesson from 2020. That was a yeah. huge lesson. Having those emergency lifelines you can go to. Let's talk about the lifelines you guys are throwing your listeners and readers. How about that for a clumsy transition? Len, what's going on at the amazingly titled lenpenzo.com? You know, I just put up an article where I, I look at gas dryers they're more expensive than electric dryers. I know a lot of people, you go shopping for dryers, you, you notice that gas dryers are more expensive. So the question I pose to myself is, are they cost effective though? Is there is the payback worth it for that extra? And so that's, that's what I did. I did a little study and uh, I go over the results. So if you have a little engineering uh, cost analysis, come on by lenpenzo.com and check it out. Welcome to Len Penzo's Consumer Reports segment. At lenpenzo.com. That's cool. That's awesome. Paula, what's happening at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Jeff Woods, who is part of uh, The One Thing. He's the host of The One Thing podcast. And The One Thing. thing? Which thing? The One Thing. Oh, but which one? (laughs) The one. That one. (laughs) That one. Exactly. So The One Thing is a focusing question in which you ask yourself, what is the one thing that I can do right now such that by doing it, everything else becomes either easier or unnecessary? So it's a focusing question that enhances productivity and efficacy in your life. Uh, So he joins us on the Afford Anything podcast to talk about how to focus in 2021, how to develop better habits, how to be more effective 
and how to cut out the noise so that you can accelerate your goals. The one thing. The one thing. And that's at the Afford Anything podcast. I think if I stop podcasting, like that's the one thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> no more aggravation, you, all this output. You'd be, you'd be off to within three years. <laughs> there it is. We used to always joke this was a horrible joke when I was a financial planner, but we're like, you know, if we just got rid of the clients, like it'd be, <laughs> this would be the best job. I could go home early every day. We'd never have to take any phone calls. All that paperwork would go away. That's great. <laughs> Sandy, thanks so much for joining us again. Oh, it was fun. Thank you for inviting me. I think now let's be truthful. You were just looking for an escape from that amazingly good January Rochester, New York weather. Oh, God. It's awesome. You should come visit. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, better yet, replace me for a couple months. <laughs> I have so many layers on right now. Uh, <laughs> What's happened at the Seven Figures podcast? Well, our big goal of the podcast is to just get people to stop delegating everything off to somebody else, right? Like you can delegate to financial advisors and people to help you, but to totally say, hey, I don't even want to worry about my finances is not the best strategy. So at least we want to inspire people to have at least knowledge of what's going on with their money. So we break the podcast down in three segments. First, we just go over the basic misunderstood money topics, the things that people are so scared to admit that they don't know, they don't speak up. So we'll go over those. I'll be the foolish one to speak up about those simple little money questions. And then we find someone who's inspiring, has an inspiring aha money moment that you know, we can learn from. And then, you know, we all want to be good role models for our kids. So we bring in a money expert. We ask the cute little kids a money question, and then we see if their answers match up with what our uh, money expert tells us to, you know, how to have these conversations with our kids. The, so. the kids' answers are always hilarious. They're so cute, aren't they? I just love it. <laughs> just, just like, well, give it, give an example. Can you think of an example offhand? Well, you know, it was funny because we had this. OK, so we had three kids. One was 16, one was 11 and one was seven. And we asked them during the holidays, you know, do you expect to get everything you want on your list? Um, and the 16 year old is like, yeah, I mean, I put the most expensive things on my list because I expect to get it. The other one, the 11 year old was like, yeah, OK, yeah, for the most part. And it was the seven year old who said, no, I just want family because that's really what was important. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're so cute. <laughs> well, is it cute or hasn't yet completely embraced consumerism? Yeah, probably that, too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which also is cute. Anyway, yeah. and it's a seven figure podcast available where finer podcasts are distributed. Awesome. Yeah. You know well, what, Sandy, you were doing, you said you're doing the podcast on delegating. I was waiting for you said, I was waiting for you to say, and it'll be guest hosted by. <laughs> 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 and on that note, Sandy, Len, Paula, thanks for playing guys. We'll see everybody next time. Doug, what should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe, I'll help you out. First, take a lesson from our round table. You always need a goal, no matter how small. Something you can work towards. Because as Zig Ziglar once said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Second, take a lesson from Angelo Poli from MetPro. The key to better health isn't to make drastic resolutions, but to find long-term lifestyle changes. But the big takeaway... 
turns out the crew didn't really care for this little surprise outfit that I showed for show and tell. What a bunch of prudes. But wait, not even if I bend over like this? That doesn't make it better? It has to make it better. Special thanks to Sandy Waters for joining us on today's show. You can find Sandy's podcast, Seven Figures, Smart Money Strategies for Women, wherever you're listening to this amazing podcast. Also, a special thanks to Angelo Poli for joining Joe today. You can find out more about MetPro at metpro.co forward slash SB. And we'll have a link to Sandy's podcast and also MetPro on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and the Afford Anything podcast. Len Penzo was gold on today's show, wasn't he? Well, at least he's hoarding it all under his bed. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it appears I've fallen and I can't get up. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Sandy, you're Italian, right? So yeah. if you're like my family, we all start talking loud and one one person starts at level seven and the next person goes to level eight and the next person goes to level nine. Nobody's no. mad at each other. We're just talking. I remember, and before you know it, everybody's at 15. Yeah, you know. I remember as a kid, we would go to my godmother's house. Just quick story, <laughs> Joe, not to side rail this too much. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's start that after show. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Let's just let's just record. Okay. We'll just record the after show right now. This is great. All right. Okay. Uh, Len, you got to tell the story again. All right. Okay. So, so Sandy, I don't know if, you're, if your family is like my family, but, but, uh, you know, we're having, whenever we get together, we start conversations that they start automatically at level seven or eight. And then one person goes to level nine, then one person's going to level 10. And then before you know it, everybody's at level 15. Nobody's mad at each other. We're just talking, having no. a good conversation. But if you're outside the house, I mean, you'd swear that people are just screaming at each other. I remember as a kid, my we would go visit my godmother, Comare, and uh, I would be so worried. I'm like, Mom, we can't go in there. They're fighting. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? They're just talking. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's, have, but, Everybody's just, yeah. 
We, we had an advisor, uh, Frank Bologna in our office. If Frank is listening, Frank was obviously Italian, had a bunch of Italian clients. And whenever he was in with his Italian clients, all first generation Italians, I swear to God, it always sounded like there was a fist fight going on in the conference room and then they come out and they're hugging and crying like a good seeing you again, Frankie. Good seeing you. But we are intense. I mean, we do have a level like, yeah, I mean, my children will tell you my neighbors probably think I'm yelling at the kids all the time. <laughs> and, and, and you always you always deflect by going, no, I'm just Italian. And the kids That's are absolutely right. And the in kids the are like, no, she's window, yelling yeah. at us. Totally true. Yes. <laughs> Paula, the uh, Nepalese known for big, loud get togethers. You know, where, where I would hear that the most is when I was a little kid and my parents would place long distance landline phone calls to Nepal. And this was back in the days when uh, there were different pricing tiers for long distance calls, depending on what, whether or not it was business hours. Right. So there was a certain price of, for business calls Monday through Friday, nine to five. And then there was the evening price. And then if you call after midnight or on the weekends, that's like the cheapest time to call. And so you can imagine I'm a little kid. My parents are staying up until past midnight, which is like a, a big deal. And then they're like gathered around uh, the phone, both of them. And they're just they're shouting into the phone like they've, they've got people on speakerphone. Because they're halfway and across the world and you have to yell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like mentally they think that the further away the call recipient is, the louder they have to talk. My mom still does this with Zoom calls. Like puts your mouth yeah. right up against the. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so they'd gather around the speakerphone, and then they would just yell into the speakerphone, "Namaskar, Namaskar." <laughs> but you guys remember, like, phone pricing used to be a bear. I don't know if you guys remember, like, collect calls and. You know, my brother and I would be at the skating rink because that's what you did in the little town. You went to the skating rink and my mom would get a collect call from pick us up now, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then she, she deny the charges. <laughs> so she's like, no, I don't want to talk to pick them up now. My sister, this is way back when phones still had cords, right? But my sister, she was on the phone all the time. And this is before you had the, you know, the, the break in. You know, you know, where you could just uh, somebody else's call, call waiting yeah. on your call waiting is before this. So if there's you get a hard, busy signal, if somebody's on the phone at your house and they're just talking about, as my sister would be talking to her friends for two hours a time, you couldn't break it. So we'd have to call the operator. And I don't know. Did you guys ever do this? You call the operator and ask for an emergency break in. Right. And then the operator would would literally bust into the to the phone conversation. Hey, uh, you know, you know, there's a Len Penzo on the line. He needs to talk to you know, my mom's name or my dad's name, right? As, but, but that's what we used to do in the old days. You, you didn't have the call waiting. Oh, wow. We had good old days. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it only took us the whole show to get the Lempenzo old guy story out. <laughs> of course, I started it. I We're talking about that in because I missed it during the, the show. <laughs> well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month. And we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. 
Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 